When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There once was a man named Gold Roger, who was king of the pirates. He had fame, power, and wealth beyond your wildest dreams. Before they hung him from the gallows, these were the final words he said. Our perspective is yours for the taking, but you'll have to join us first. We left everything we debated at the Yonko table. Ever since, pirates from all over the world set sail for the Grand Line, searching for the Yonko table, the table that will make their dreams come true. Yo! Yeah, yo, yeah, yo. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Yonko table, right? That's the voice of Grandmaster Hoop. You're hearing a fellow Yonko. And we are bringing you today the latest and greatest on the revival the reboot the remake of the hit broadway musical west side story yes it's in 2021 we're about 70 years or 80 years forgive my math after the fact i might be too many years man people are looking at me like i'm crazy either way welcome to 2021 where we have seen the soft reboot of musicals and we're back with west side story steven spielberg's first musical and we're here to talk about it at the table we're here to eat it up we're trying to talk about what we liked what we enjoyed and controversy around it and cultural impact and all this and more so here we are but with me as always is my fellow yonko host dr jace attorney dr jace attorney what brings you to the table today here to talk about west side story with my fellow crewmates at the table we saw west side story recently I enjoyed it. This is my second musical film right after In the Heights. So <laughs> I'm on that craze with like, you know, the, the musical films coming into theaters. We're in that soft reboot era, as you say. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to dive deep into this. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came out too. I didn't think you would come, but I'm glad you're starting to get on this musical wave with us it has boricuas in it and they're representing we all love boricuas right (laughs) exactly right Right. thank you you know funny enough the fellow yonko super i'm sorry the fellow supernovas on the cast uh they all have musicals uh they all have a soft spot i would like i would think in their hearts somewhere um and that's a little fun fact for the fans that didn't know. A lot of us performed in a glee club together. So without further ado, let's introduce our musical supernova guest. First up, we have Dr. Rika. Dr. Rika, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm excited to, to talk about musicals. It's been a good year. Of, we've had In the Heights, Tick, Tick, Boom, West Side Story. We'll all forget about Dear Evan Hansen. Ooh. But look, look. Um, I haven't so, seen it. <laughs> You know, I think you can. I, I think you can save your two hours and just rewatch either West Side Story or In the Heights or Tick Tick Boom. But we've had some good movies this year. I'm excited to talk about this one. Awesome! We're glad that you made time from your dissertation to join us today. Yeah. That doctor's no joke, folks. That doctor's no joke. Speaking of doctors, we also have Doctor Mondo in the house. Doctor Mondo, you got the time zone right today. Nice job. How's yeah. it going? No, no, it's that you got the time zone right this time. Finally, it was about time. (laughs) time. (laughs) Thank you. Just just happy to be here, especially just to talk about West Side Story. Love the movie as a Puerto Rican. I really got to say this movie hit home. So I'm glad that I'm here to talk about it. We're glad you're here, too. I'm glad I got the time zone right today to accommodate you. So thank you for being here. Um, We also got... Supernova Dars. Dars. Well, how's it going, man? It's going great. I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk about mi gente, not only those Puerto Ricans, but also the New Yorkans that are up there. Musicals, love them. Glad that, you know, this is the year of the musicals. This is also the year of the Latin Latinx people. You know, we've had Encanto, In the Heights, 
West Side Story. We're flooding the place. We're taking over your land. I'm just kidding. But oh. um, we... <laughs> I'm glad to see. Uh, all Shout of, out to uh, the Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad to be here at the table. This is great. Awesome. We're glad. We're glad. I like that spirit and energy. Keep that going throughout the whole cast. And lastly, we got our very own. He's our Tony, folks. He's our Tony. We got Nino Desplazado. Nino, we know you are very passionate about West Side. Thank you for coming today. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Um, you know, I'm very protective of West Side Story. It was actually one of the first musicals that ever got me into musical theater. So it's it, it'll be fun to talk about. I, and that's what the Uncle Table's about. We we have fun. You know, uh, we come in here, we bring up stuff. We may not always agree, but it's a fun time. It's a fun ride. So without further ado, folks, let's get going. And again. Just ride with the flow and we got this because honestly, y'all gonna be caring more than me because I'm over here. Here, let's let's go ahead and begin. Uh, I'm an avid West Side knowledgeable person. I think I've seen the original movie once. This is a remake, folks. Uh again, I don't know the math on this, but the original came out in 1961. Uh I'm not sure when the original uh show had its run 57. on Broadway. 57, 57. All right, so 57, uh, followed by four years. Then they got its theatrical, which everybody loved. Um, everybody loved. It's deemed as one of the greatest musicals of all time. I did not think we would be here with a remake. Is it natural that we have a remake here? Uh, I guess so. Steven Spielberg came and stepped up. And I'd like to say, as a Spielberg fan, very well done by Spielberg. For his first time out as a musical, I think he nailed it. I think he hit out the park. Uh, I, and I said this too, and leaving the movie theater, I said, if there was a musical for Steven Spielberg to do, this was the one. I can't imagine Spielberg doing something like Hairspray or something like super lively and bouncy. Um, this is the one, you know, snaps, snaps, turn, turn, jazz hands, jazz squares. I did have right to say, the, uh, this remake though, this was you know we we talk a lot about like all these remakes being shot for shot and how you know it doesn't necessarily meet expectations because the original is always just so much better but this one i have to say like these shot for shot remakes and like even though this one wasn't exactly shot for shot we had such a it just felt so organic and it felt so um used like it was like i was watching the original but in high definition it, i think they did a great job with this um I think Steven Spielberg hit like he understood the assignment, guys. Like, I don't know about how everybody else is feeling, but I think that this was this opened the doors for other musical adaptations to get more funding in, in um, all of their different projects. So I'm so stoked that he did this. I'm, I loved it. Um, I want to hear everybody else's thoughts. This is this is Mike, me. Why well, I, I think with Spielberg, you're going to get more big time directors coming to direct, you know, more musicals. I mean, Tom Hooper has already done uh, Les Mis. Keep him away. Keep him away uh, from musicals, please. You're just <laughs> saying that because of Cats. No, I'm saying that because of Les Mis too. But that's another discussion. Uh, there was Fine, a that's Les Mis dis too? He did Les Mis yeah. and then, you know, Les Mis saw great success. And then he did Cats. Um, oh. oh, okay. Well, right, and that Cats... Yeah. So, do right. you think we're gonna get Sam Raimi doing Spider-Man the musical? Absolutely not. Into no. the dark. Oh, no. Yes. No. A proper film adaptation. <laughs> no. No. There's no. some things that only work in theater, and Spider-Man Into the Dark barely worked in theater. It didn't so. even work. So many people got hurt in the production of that. So you're right. Right. It's like it has like the most injuries in Broadway history. But we digress. Um, I will say West Side is pretty relevant kind of still to this day a lot of the themes that happened in the original and as well as this one i think they did a much better job shedding light on it of course um you know y'all could take it from there but i mean one thing they already got right was the casting they got the cast right no more brown face 
And I'm glad to <laughs> was see. Was there brown face in the original? There was brown yes. face in the original wow. one. No, 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 this is this is coming from someone like I I have no background knowledge on the original play or the original film. So like this is all news to me. That's crazy. What? In the, yeah. play, both in the, the play and in the movie. I, I don't know about the I don't know about the original Broadway one, um, but in the movie the the guy who played Bernardo uh, was in brownface. He's like some dude from Ohio, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like Natalie Wood, who played the original Maria, um, who didn't even sing. She she didn't sing. No, she did not sing. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, oh, I was just gonna segue into. It. So West Side Story was a big deal in my family. I'm Puerto Rican, but there was like a sense of it's a big deal because this is like almost all we have for Puerto Rican representation. Like we never see us. And so there was a sense of like, I think growing up, I was like, okay, yes, this is a big deal. And then as I got older, I was like, but also like these folks ain't even Puerto Rican. Like, yeah. and then even Rita, who like the queen, we love her, was also like bronzed. So she wasn't even like her actual skin color. They added extra makeup onto her to make her seem darker than she actually is. So there was just a lot of, I have like a love critique type relationship with the original where like, I get it's the sixties and my expectations were low regardless. Um, but there's like a sense of like, this is great because I'm saying Puerto Ricans, but also there's so much stereotyping. The accents are a mess. All of y'all are in brown face. Some of y'all aren't even originally singing. There's some problematic lyrics, which Sondheim did address in like this updated version. So there's like a, like, yay, Puerto Rican representation. And I love musicals and I am Puerto Rican. And so this is what I have to, to kind of hold on to, but also there's like some problems, which I think they did. And I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss as we move forward here. Address those more head on, um, as you know, Hooper had alluded to, as far as like actually casting uh, Latinx folks uh, across the board um, and people actually singing as well. And there's still some stereotypes in there, but <laughs> my assumption is that it is meant to be purposeful based off of kind of how um, some of the characters view Puerto Ricans in the film. What I will say. I had a really good time and I really, you know, just appreciate it sitting in the theater and feeling like not everything was as much as a hot mess as it was in the original. As, as well done as a lot of those scenes are and, and as much as I love Rita, it's like, damn, y'all also got some problems in that 61 version. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great point you made um, about the West Side Story being almost like all we had um, because when you know growing up in miami for latinx representation and like musical theater uh there was only you know in the heights and west side story and um in the original they kind of didn't feel like puerto rican they just felt like ah these are just latin people these are hispanic people and this is what we think they are like um, I really like the efforts in this movie, and I'm not saying the accents, the accents in this movie, we, I, I can't stand by them, but uh, they do feel like they, that these people do feel that they're Puerto Rican, that they're from, you know, the, the island, that they, like, they, they've lived there, that these, that's who they are, and I think it, um, I want to open, I really want to open it up and see what everyone else thought, because I, I, I know, uh, like, uh, like you, Dr. Rita, uh, Dr. Mondo is actually like from Puerto Rico. What did you think? No, so I feel this move like kind of circling a little bit back to what Dar said. It's like, yeah, it's a remake, but it's its own thing. Like, sure, it's like it is West Side Story. It's based on it, it like it's based obviously on this on West Side Story, but it's so much more than that. Like here, you can see really many different aspects of Puerto Rican culture that have never been really seen in American cinema per se. Like there were very there were very overt things of Puerto Rican culture, like the way the way they spoke to very subtle things. Like 
like a writing on the wall as a like a reference to to Albizu Campos, like a revol like Puerto Rico's revolutionary leader. Uh, even there's there's even a conversation like right after the sharks leave, uh, like almost in the first scenes of the movie, where they start where the Jets start discussing like, hey, Puerto Ricans, they're like American citizens. They're not American citizens. They're even throwing a little bit of the jab of the ignorance that we see today. Like, and it's like, this is the 50s. The movie's in the 50s. And we're still seeing that today, where a lot of Americans don't know that us Puerto Ricans are American citizens. And they threw it in, in there in the movie. And even like the revolutionary hymn, it, they sing it in the movie, like out of nowhere. Was that the one he did the right after? La Puerigenia. Yes. Okay. And it's, okay. What it's, people don't know is like the lyrics used in the movies are not like they're not allowed to be used in like real life. So they're, they rewrote it because when, yeah. what can I say? Seed it feels kind of uncomfortable when Puerto Rico was colonized by the US, they had to change the words because they felt they were too aggressive. So the words that are yep. actually used in the film are the original that were written. That's, that's the original, that's the original hymn that obviously has been lost a little bit through time because well, Americanization, so forth, so forth, blah, blah, blah. So like, that is the true Borinquenia, what they sang in the movie. So it's, there were so many things that they brought up that no one has brought up ever in American cinema. And it's like, right now I'm not even living in Puerto Rico and that hit home. Like I was, I was blown away because I really, as a Puerto Rican, I was like, wow, I understand everything they're saying here. Like even the tiniest little details, which I'm pretty sure 90% of, of, of like the movie theater didn't even get. And it was like, it was a little piece of home that they gave me. So it there was were, like. I, was I was going to say, there's plenty of stuff. I wanted to, Dr. I was sitting next to Dr. Chase. I wanted to ask him if he caught any of the references to the, you know, the greater culture, the whole movie. And also, you know, they were speaking Spanish and there were no subtitles. That yeah. was an interesting yeah. choice. And I was totally fine. That with was that really too. interesting. Yes. Right. I, I accepted the fact that I did not follow up with Spanish after high school. And I was like, this is my fault. And I should have because what? Spanish is going to be the number one language in America in what? The next couple, 10 years or so. Uh, so I'm like, that's that's my own fault. But, um, you know, shout out to Spielberg. Uh because that's the attention to detail that they did to this movie that y'all can, you know, connect and have that cultural recognition um, versus, I guess, in the original. Honestly, you could have picked any ethnic group, but they weren't going to cater to the actual cultural side of it. They're just going to cater to the story, the musical. You know, these songs are going to sound a little different from the Jets songs. Uh, their dance movements are going to be a little different from the Jets but there was a lot more attention to detail and respecting the culture, which I think this movie does a really good job at shining in. Yeah. Uh, even even the choreographies, when the when like the Puerto Ricans start to dance, it's it's very, it's very salsa merengue. It's like, even though, even though the music behind it is kind of jazzy like that, but you can still, feel and listen to the Latin flair that they put immediately when they start dancing. Right. It's like very, like very detailed oriented. Obviously there's some like there's ballet, like in integrated into the movie, but it with a certain Latin flair when the, when the sharks and like all the Puerto Ricans start dancing. And I also want to uh, add, I want to uh, add really quick with the subtitles. Um, I, it was a really cool detail with that because in the 50s when you had a lot of Puerto Ricans in New York um, migrating kind of over there, um, they would speak their native tongue and people would get so frustrated that they didn't know what was being said that it just like, it boiled up Karens, you know, like they would be like, now you're here, you're gonna speak our language. You speak so, American. And so they get so um, agitated because they, they don't understand and sometimes it was a little bit of a, a safety and kind of like an escape for 
um, our heritage to kind of use that to kind of communicate with each other to as like a defense, as a way to protect ourselves um, because we didn't know what was going to be happening if we said something that someone else wouldn't like. Um, but I thought this was really cool to see that aspect with West Side Story that they didn't do the subtitles because I can already see some people in the audience like, I, I don't understand what they're saying. Like, why didn't they put subtitles in this thing? Like getting upset. And I'm like, I, I think that's the, the whole point. Like you're hitting, like, that's the reason why they didn't do it because it puts you even further into the movie where, you know, if you're seeing it from the eyes of the detective that is trying to figure out what's going on, like who, who killed Bernardo though, like, you know, you, you get frustrated that you don't understand what they're saying. It's like, please speak English, English, please. You know, it's that, it's that, it's that parallel. Cause it's like, you know, yeah, they tell them to speak English cause you're in America, but it's like, well, if you've never been to a Spanish speaking country, you're gonna want everybody you you are the person on the outside you are the one begging for some context i was totally fine i accepted it i was like all right i caught every other word i'm over here like tony writing stuff down i'm like all right yeah ask her for coffee before asking her to run away from me siempre so um siempre yo you remembered nice i do i know i know a good amount of spanish i will say Spielberg did say it was purposeful too that you know he wanted to be respectful of just like the fact that this is what everyday life looks like um and that it felt like because to be honest the original film while I think a, a lot of Puerto Ricans felt like alignment with it because again the lack of representation it wasn't necessarily made for us in mind, clearly based off of casting and, and a lot of the choices. And while I still have my own criticisms because like all the people behind the scenes are white, they're all older white men, the writers of the song lyrics, the music, the direction, like everyone responsible who, who was um, kind of involved as far as the head honchos are still white men. So there is my own criticism as far as like, y'all could have gotten a couple more folks like on board, like we exist beyond just who's gonna be in front of the camera. So that is a critique I do have. I do feel like, um, like Dr. Mondo said, there was more intentionality around like injecting our culture at the forefront. Like in something that was pretty easily done was like not having subtitles and saying, this is what everyday life yeah. looks like. This is what interactions look like. We wanna respect, you know, our language um, and the ways in which we kind of interact and have relationships with folks. Um, and even the ways in which uh, Darcy had already brought up, like other folks then treat us as a result yeah. of, of just speaking Spanish. And you, you saw a lot of that represented within the film. Paciencia y fe. Wrong music. Wrong music. But yeah, I, I think I think that's really a great point. Um, I, I did want to, I, I have a couple of things, but the to the point of like getting the culture right, they even used the original version of the Puerto Rican flag, yep. which I noticed, um, which is which has like the light blue, which yep. the US doesn't allow to be flown anymore, mm -hmm. which I was like, damn, that's actually a really good visual callback. And not a lot of people will get um, the musical. Th this movie was kind of going in line with the uh, 2009 Broadway revival of West Side Story, where get this, and this happened on Broadway, uh, they actually had half the musical, like, and including songs, just be in Spanish. And whenever there was, um, you know, uh, Puerto Ricans on stage, they were just in Spanish. All the, so a lot of their parts were in Spanish, and they changed the lyrics for that. Um, and it, it's it's interesting that that legacy is still there because it wasn't catering as much to you know the, you know, the white American audience. Uh, and I think I think Spielberg intentionally or not intentionally was maybe for the people who were going to go see this musical and didn't have any idea what it was about. Um, and they were asking, why can't they just speak Spanish when they started hearing the, you know, uh, the like the white policeman and the Jets saying the same thing who are not positioned, not like in the original uh, 1961 movie, they were like the heroes. Um, here they're not positioned that as the heroes they're positioned as the racist aggressors from like the very start of the film i think it makes people or at least should make people question why am i getting so angry why am i getting so angry yeah. when i'm seeing other people's culture 
and seeing how other people live. Um, at least that's what I hope its effect is, or maybe that's, I hope that was his intention because it seems he does it so many times throughout the film and he does, and he always yeah. follows it with, a, um, with like a, a lens of contemplation, like afterwards, like either you see, you know, either one of the sharks or Maria or Anita and speaking about Anita, I'll get to it, but either like really like seem afraid of that interaction and then have to replicate it within their own household within like um, when Bernardo, Anita and Maria are literally in the kitchen they're like, oh, speak English, you know, and it's just interesting that you get to see more of that. It's, and I really, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, it's like, it's the different, the different types, like, like a, a Puerto Ricans in a way, because Anita is the, is the Puerto Rican because this is all during the time of like kind of diaspora, the great, like the Puerto Rican migration in the fifties where uh, the Puerto Ricans left Puerto Rico in search of, of opportunity. Like the United States was deemed like, oh, it's the land of opportunity. And most of them went to New York. So you would Maybe see those. like- Maybe Afros. What? So uh, Anita is, the one, hey, I'm here looking for the opportunity. And Bernardo is kind of the romantic that still wants to go back to Puerto Rico. He is like, he's- This he's is a very, set time for like, him. This, he, like he's very grounded in that, I am going to go back to Puerto Rico. That romanticism that he has, like that he can't let go of his island. And Anita, you see like, she still feels Puerto Rican, but she's trying to adjust and adapt and mold herself to like the U.S., which so, in the when she she has that snapping moment. Yep. Uh, when she goes to docks, and then she's like, "I'm Puerto Rican," you know. Yeah. And she's done trying to do. Let me adjust to America. You yeah. Know? Because what have they shown her but all this hostility, and you know, racism? So it's like. Now she yeah, understands how yeah, people like Bernardo to, was feeling. Yeah, and they tried to and they tried to rape her. And I, right. I I'm glad that they didn't um that they said what it was, you know, that they had uh Rita Moreno's um character say what it was. You grew up to be me, race uh rapist, right? Rapist. Because in the original it's never it's never it's always alluded to, which again in the original movie and um the jets are poised as the good guys they're the ones that we're empathizing with and it's so wild to me because when you really think about when i really started um a few years back when i just started deep diving this musical and like just dissecting the music dissecting the script dissecting the story i'm like damn like why are they poising the jets in the in the 60s movies to be the heroes they're the ones we follow you don't see any life of the puerto ricans outside of and, and that's a fault of the musical I will say though, uh, the I, um, I will say though, in the original musical, there was an element that I think they should have kept in this movie, which America isn't actually sung by Bernardo and Anita primarily, with the guys and the and the women um, having a back and forth of, oh, I want to go back to San Juan, and you know. Uh, and then the women are being like, no, we, we love it here and want to make a life here. In the original musical, it's only the women that sing that song. Oh, and really? I thought that there was no men? No, in the musical, no, in, the musical or the film? In the musical. All right, so not the film. By, yeah, no, not the film. In okay. the original musical like production and how it's normally done on Broadway is that um, only the women do it. And it's also one of the only sections in the musical where, and I talked to, there's a great video on this about the musical composition of West Side Story where Bernstein used, you know, the opening whistle? Um, right. He, use, he uses those notes to construct the entire musical except for America and another song. And that's supposed to represent the conflict due to, um, due to the racist aggressors of the Jets and the fighting with the sharks. America is the only song, the only song in the musical that's kind of free from that, which I think is really interesting when it's only 
involving the Puerto Ricans and they're living their lives and having these moments to joke around and talk and be honest with each other. I, 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 I would like to think that's because, you know, that's them projecting their ideals of what America should be and versus mm -hmm. the rest of the movie is kind of like, this is actually what's going on. It's actually not that great of a place. And there's full of punks and racism and xenophobia going on. And, you know, that's the great thing about a remake. The remake has a chance to right the wrongs of the original. And I think they did a lot of good rewriting the problems and the wrongs presented in, whether it be the original film or the Broadway musical. So I think, would we all be in agreement there? They definitely, yeah. you know, not only because it's not only did they rewrite the wrongs, but they took it a step further to do better than before. It's like it's it's one thing to be like, OK, we can't do brown face. But they also, you know, he purposely went and got like he said he got first generation Puerto Ricans, uh, uh, second generation and then New York Ricans too to fulfill these roles. And what's cool is you also see all of the different colors of Puerto Ricans, you know, like we're not all this luscious, beautiful caramel color like I am. Um, we are, you know, they, Puerto Ricans are, they come in every different shape, just like Cubans, you know, like, and it's, it's really cool to see um, the different diverse casting that's in this. And Anita literally, she stole every single scene that was there, but it was, it was so cool to see her. Uh-huh. Can we, can we talk about Anita? Like, who Best sold character. the show for you? Anita. Best character. Anita. 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 If you have a good Anita, that's the that's the thing that really needs to get you through a good West Side Story production. Because Anita know. steals the show every single time. I loved her. Every bit of her. Every. And, and again, I feel she didn't even do that much in the beginning. She was just kind of the voice of reason. You know, the, the cutting the tension between Bernardo and Maria. You know, but she's electric. You know? Yeah. Oogie, woogie, woogie. I was gonna say, I know yes. I disappeared. I think my, my Wi-Fi did whatever it did. So now I'm on my phone. So it is what it is. But what I was gonna say is uh, just to add on a little bit and then I'll get back to Anita to like aspects of like changing for the good or really injecting a, a little bit more than in what the original provided. Um, something we hadn't talked about unless you did in the moment that I was gone uh, was anybody's who Anybody's. in the original, yes. if I'm not mistaken, was like a, a tomboy. But in this, they made it pretty clear through a lot of the dialogue that like, this is a trans person. Yes. Uh, or maybe non-binary, yeah. gender non-conforming, um, mm -hmm. which tied into also like the, the actor who played them as well. So I thought it was something just to kind of point out that there, there was intentionality around being more inclusive, even in subtle ways. Uh, although I didn't feel like it was subtle, I, there was clear dialogue as far as like, you know, I am not a woman, they, I'm not they, a girl. They gave um, him that scene, right? Uh, like so if you didn't get it, it's here. It's here. Yeah. I am a. I am not a girl. Like, so um, I did appreciate that. It was no, also that intentional. Um, the intentionality of drawing so much attention and lingering on the two benches um and then also having uh like their old arc like i think it was very early on that what do you call it uh that they that they presented that this is a queer person like there's no mistake about it and there was also that in the original movie in the original production but it was the 60s and 50s you can only do so much then um i really like it here i don't know how I liked it, you know, as an overall in terms of the story, but I'm also not coming to West Side Story to look for a queer narrative, so. Yeah, did they, did they like throw it in your face? I mean, yes, they blatantly told you versus yeah, like a natural kind of character arc, which is fine. But no, I get your point when you say it didn't like necessarily like flow within the story, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, I thought it was all, it was pretty good because, like, what we were saying is like it it kind of brings a little bit of modernity to. Um, oh, it's it's necessary. Don't get me wrong; it's necessary. And it, it it's it's good to see because you know a lot of these tomboys, quote unquote tom tomboys. Cause I'm not even sure if that's an appropriate term to use nowadays. It's not a. It's not. 
So these tomboys, quote unquote, um, from the 1950s, and that's what you know they would call that character. Oh, you're such a tomboy and stuff. Um, it's, it's good to see that the, the shining the light and seeing more trans representation on the screen, it makes it that much more comfortable to have conversations with other people and with family members back at home. So it, I, I loved it. I love seeing it there. I went into the movies knowing that because my sister, I went in, I purposely went and saw it with my sister, um, who she did some uh, musical performances on Broadway. And so she's very big into that world. And she was so excited about it. And she she made it a point to to make sure that everybody knew in our group that, you know, this is um, such an amazing thing because it can open up those conversations. Yeah. Now back to Anita. <laughs> um, but I, just, I don't want anybody's to not be mentioned. No, um, no, no. Anybody's was going to be mentioned. I, I got so, uh, her, his name, Ezra Minas, or their name. Their name. I had that ready to go. Um, but Anita but yeah. did slay. She took over the entire screen. Oh, my Lanta. Like, her oh, energy yes. was very electrifying. Yeah. Anita was amazing. I think America was the best number, honestly. Uh, just the camera work, too. As When they're flowing the dresses, running down the street in that tracking shot. Mm -hmm. I, I, thought, I thought, honestly, they put the most effort into that scene. If that was to be their biggest number, it looked like their biggest number. I loved it. And I think, I think too, just the idea of like knowing Rita was going to be in the film and that she was going to share scenes <laughs> with her, even that, like, I feel like it was probably a lot of pressure. I'm sure maybe oh, yeah. they asked her about it, you know, during the press tour, but she really rose to the occasion um, and made it her own. And you all have already kind of discussed America, but I think just across the board, as far as like seeing her journey and the ways in which she would capture the screen anytime she was on screen. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's never happened before that like someone in the original and in a remake would win, at least in terms of like film. Um, oh. Certainly probably happened on Broadway, but that there would be nominations or even wins. Um, I know as far as like Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, like in other circles, her name has been thrown out there in order she has been nominated. So I think it'd be really interesting to see if, if it moves forward. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies this year and she's one of the best supporting actress performances I've seen this year. So I think that'd Damn be right. quite the feat. I think that'd be really cool to see. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened as far as I know. Uh, and I think I, I think I think she really does earn it. Um, a boy like that. You felt you felt it. I felt it. I felt I, it. I, I, I felt it. I, it. I was like, "Are you? Yeah. Are you dumb? Are you cut are you cheese dumb? with those words?" I felt it. I I was like, "Oh my god, it, dummy!" Rachel I Zegler. I was about to say. I think it's a really good transition into Rachel. Yes. So this is her debut performance. Debut. Um. She's coming straight from high school, so she's 20. But when in filming or in auditions, I think she was like 17, 18. Yes. Um, and she said to, she'd been, she played Maria in community theater. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but she was great. Loved her. I, you know, yeah, she if killed I'm being it. honest, I find Maria and Tony the least interesting, depending on who's playing them. But yeah. of the entire collection of characters, and I'm sure we'll get to Mike Face as well, um, who played Riff, who was great. Um, but like, there's a rich, like, supporting character cast there that when you're Maria or Tony, you really gotta bring it if you want to stand out. And I feel like Rachel mm -hmm. is certainly the standout in terms of um, the two leads. Oh, and yeah. she was talented. I was, I was listening earlier to the song that you were already singing, Ethan and compared it to some other versions of just like that interaction between um, Anita and Maria. Rachel's maybe my favorite. There's something in terms of like her emotionality and how she's able to project. Um, she's also singing on her own and we've already talked about how Natalie would do the singing. Um, this is such a shame, I was so fooled. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's not because I, I think there was like, she wanted to, but it just didn't happen and stuff like that happened in the 50s and 60s and musicals and so, Rachel is super, super talented. 
and I, I thought it was a really great debut performance. So I, I really enjoyed her. Yeah, I, I, of the two leads, I was way more invested, yeah. A, in her talent, and B, well, her story, because I'm a, I'm a lukewarm West Side fan, but I saw a lot more character in this, uh, in this uh, uh, Maria, you know, fighting for her independency, her autonomy, trying to break free from, you know, uh, Bernardo and his, you know, uh, toxic masculinity and what that looks like on a brother and sister. I, yes, I liked, I loved Maria and God, her voice carried yep. like good uh, Nino. That's your Maria. If you ever to play Tony, that's I'm what you too stand old opposite. For I'm too old for Tony. It's never going to happen. <laughs> don't, don't count yourself out. Who knows? Um, how y'all feel about Ansel Elgort? All right. Well, since we got here, um, I think here we go. He was a bland piece of toast. <laughs> um, I don't think he should have ever been cast here. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, outside the movie drama with him, which like, I was unaware. Was him. anyone else unaware? Yeah, I was. Unaware. I, was unaware. I was aware. Yeah. I was no completely idea. unaware about that. Um, and then when I found out, I'm like, these scenes where he's towering over Maria that is much younger, creepy. So whenever I'm gonna have to like go back and rewatch it, cause I really love it as a home. I mean, he had a up uphill battle no matter what. Tony's one of, is, is my dream role. Um, and I'm very protective over it. I just think he was miscast. I, I I dislike the idea that Tony needs to be some goody two shoes. No, this man was a gangster. He was a gangster running, you know, beating people up. He beat Make, the crap some... out of a kid <laughs> to the oh brink God. of death. Out of an Egyptian kid, they Egyptian. made that point very clear. He beating beat on the, all I, uh, minorities around New York. I beat I beat someone up. Marry me, like. <laughs> That's romantic. No, you know, I do have to say, like, when the translation to modern day times and some of the issues that were going on in that, to me, I was like, what in the Maria, what are you doing? Like, this guy went and killed your brother, and you're just like, okay, let's go have sex. It's like, oh, uh, ma'am, what are you doing? Did they, did they have sex in the so, original? Yes. Well, but it's implied. In but in that context, like, was it like, I just killed your brother? Yes. Yes. Okay. He okay. I, right I, through, yes. I just wanted to make sure because I don't know if that was like a, like just, just a film right through. I don't know if it was just a film translation, you know, like you only have two and a half hours. We got to wrap this up and they just slam it together. Wrap you know? it in up. Fact, I think, wrap it up. It's I, the fifties. Goodbye. I think Stop. I think actually Maria had more of a reaction to her brother getting killed in this movie than she did in the original. Oh wow! Like in the original, she was very much like, "Oh no, like they can't be real," and then it just immediately goes into, you know, um, somewhere, which they did, interestingly did not sing in this one. It was Rita Moreno who sang it, which gave it a different context. Um, go ahead, somebody. Uh, I mean, uh, I think there's a lot of underlying uh, social issues, too, going on in these characters. You know, here I am questioning Maria's quick to run to Tony, despite that he's the guy that killed my brother. There might be some psychological stuff. And that's why I think the Officer Krupke number uh, was because uh, I don't remember it being that insightful as far as. One, they definitely pointed out that, hey, your fathers are the scum and the drunks who did not move up to the east side or whatever, and who were left here to take care of the neighborhood. And so therefore they beat you, they, you know, disregard you, neglect you. Which um, you're right. That, I, I don't remember that, that going in depth in the the original movie or even in the musical. And I, I kind of like that aspect of it. Well, it definitely makes you re. I mean, because again, you know, the Jets are not good people necessarily. Um, but then, it, at, you know, you it's a domino effect. Why are they not good people? You know, 
and it's the sins of the fathers and sins of you know product of your environment uh there's a lot of gray area and uh here let's we'll, we'll segue now um to uh riff riff how Mike. y'all feel my so he was a go <laughs> familiar with him uh, if i'm not mistaken i think he was in there's a lot of this cast that has been in newsies there's a lot of this cast he was he, he originated a role in newsies he did okay there's a lot that has been in billy elliott so i'm just like everyone's confused. bernardo and, was billy elliott yeah okay so haha uh what i will say so he was also part of dear evan hansen i uh, played connor but he was great <laughs> it was really really good um and i i liked that there was like this menacing aspect like um i think at times whenever i've seen any productions like certainly he's like not great but there's almost been more of like joking element to him that i felt like was part of it but there was still like menacing like there was purpose in terms of being violent and aggressive um kind of in his version um, so I thought he was also one of the standouts. I really think that like Anita and Riff were the two, like the also and Rachel or uh, Maria uh, were kind of the standout cast members in terms of like, oh damn, like he's he's very good, but also can commands presence on screen. And, you know, yeah, I would love to see him in more things. Uh, I think in some interviews he was, he's kind of shied away from like movie stardom. I'm putting quotes around that. I think he's quite like introverted and shy as far as like wanting a life in a van in the woods. But I hope that he he branches out and continues because I think he's really talented and and quite interesting to him on screen, so. Dr. Rika, that's such an interesting point that you made. Um, And this is just how um, about Riff being comedic and how a lot of productions tend to lean into his comedy because in the in how it's supposed to be on stage um riff actually sings cool to the rest of the jets to get them to calm down and be like look we we can't do with this we can't have this uh you know we can't freak out we can't do any of this we need to be cool we need to be collected and we need to be smart about this so that we can go kill these you know mfers and it's so funny how the 1961 version changed that because they they switched um, the order of Dear Officer Krupke and Cool around, giving Riff a more comedic uh, tone. And it, it's 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 like a it's like you know like uh, you're a, a toxic partner that can't stop calling you. Like stop, hang up the phone. Don't don't answer. Um, because Riff really is a, 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 he's a menace. He's a menace. And I think in this one, yeah, he was joking, but, and I really like the, I, oh God, um, their version of cool, I think is what set this apart from the original, because what do you call it? Uh, the original cool musical number is stuff of like Broadway legend, um, because they did it in like three days and they threw off their knee pads and. It was just some of the, the greatest choreography that has ever been put to screen. And then in this version, they kind of differentiated enough and changed the context to which um, Riff still can be menacing and still be calculating. Um, and it gives Tony a little bit more to do than just be like, I'm in love. Woohoo. See, I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember Riff being a badass. He was just a cool guy, you know? But this whole movie, he's like, you know, ready to go. He's like, no knives. No, uh, what about chains and uh, pipes? And he's just ready to rumble every single scene he's in. And I'm like, this skinny dude? But he deli- he, he proved it. I was like, okay, he's the leader. Everybody else here is an idiot. So I believed <laughs> it. I believed it. I, I, I did like Riff. At first, I was like, this skinny guy can't be Riff. Um, I I liked how he could switch like that playful nature that he that playful nature that he had, but he could switch on the dime like it's like oh yeah like yeah I'm this playful guy but I have a knife I have a gun right here that I could just that any second I can draw it upon you but you don't but you don't know when like he had this degree of kind of like he had a chip on his shoulder 
legal light due to like environment and other experiences that they kind of like mention in the movie a little bit but it's like a degree of like unstable like he's unstable he's unstable and like you d you never know what's going to make him break and what's what's really going to tip him over mm -hmm. like and, and, I, I really like that a lot about riff like he did a great job like the actor i don't know his name honestly so mike i i don't know his like what's uh dr Rigger faced faced feist faced faced mike faced mike faced did an amazing job there <laughs> <laughs> and again that's that's the folly of the jets though too they're so fixated on this whole territory turf yep and you know keeping white in keeping everybody out that it's it's their hubris it's their, that is why they failed that is why riff died that is why tony died because they couldn't get past that and they did a really good job at showcasing you know they are their own worst enemy Yep. They are their own problem. Only Tony was the one who really tried to, you know, move on and saw the bigger picture of things. Uh, so I think they did. Again, uh, credit to Spielberg, too. Uh, I don't think you get any of this in the original. Uh, no. I, I like no kind of like empathy towards these like underlying problems they're all having. So I guess shout out to him and shout out to the cast, too, for like really uh portraying that very well um does everybody does it uh, i feel we cover pretty much all we need to say about this movie does everybody have does anybody have a favorite number or just you know oh i know we love anita does anyone have a favorite number i think we're wrapping this up now uh like just sound off the best the best number like in the movie is america like the like choreography wise it's like the most over the top. It's so well made. Now, like the one I like the most, like because like emotionally speaking, tonight I just love that song as well. But and Maria, like Maria, obviously, but I feel Maria is a very hard song. And it wasn't maybe it it was alright, but it wasn't done to the potential, like when you hear maria it's like maria is that song it's like a timeless song that's been sung by god knows how many people my quintessential version of maria is nino desplazados oh yeah uh <laughs> folks you can find that on glee club at ucf bow. if you <laughs> take a bow no the, honestly that's my definitive version when he didn't hit those high notes i was like eh, this is kind of uh, underwhelming. I'll be honest, I felt the same way. I was in the theater, like, oh, okay, I mean, we, we didn't go out there. Let me go home and, and rewatch, you know. Right. Honestly, I'm dead. <laughs> I was very uh, underwhelmed. I was like, Nino, you set the bar, man. And when he didn't deliver, I was like, because I didn't think Ansel Elgort could sing to begin with. Like, I was like, can this dude sing? And even if he can't sing, I don't think he can get that high. I don't think he can project that much. So, yeah, I, I totally agree though. Uh, America, America, and I, tonight I really liked it. Tonight was was the good. the first one or the reprise with like the, the, quint oh, the quintet. The, the quintet. quintet. Yeah. I love the quintet, but I don't. I don't think it was done. I think yeah, I've seen it done better. I think I do think America is like the best number in the musical, um, just because it 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 just did everything right. Um, very. I, I can't I can't have a fault in it even the what do you call it it's such a tonal shift in the movie um it's like a pocket where everything the movie is like highlighted with blues and grays that are encroaching on these characters and on the camera and then uh, America is the only time in the movie where you see it's full of gold it's full of yellows and reds and oranges the um, musical number is an it's an escape it's an escape yeah. Like it feels, it feels out of it, but at the same time, part of it, it's like, it's its own little thing inside the world that is the movie. It's its own little world. And I like that a lot. I right. actually, now that we mentioned that, um, I like how a lot of the musical scenes, it felt like people were like looking at them, like, what are y'all doing? Like they were stopping traffic. 
Uh, I think Tony looked to the wrong. The little girls looking at Tony singing Maria and uh, oh yeah, like the janitor. The janitor. The janitor. Right. Tony just looks at him like, okay, like great, good he for you, man. <laughs> right. I, I feel you know that's that's that nice little subtle humor. Uh, Dr. Funny. Jace, I I know you're not a musical aficionado. Was there? Did you have a standout number? No, no. Um, America definitely was my number one, but but my number two, and, and and it's a biased number two. It's nothing crazy, but my my number two is uh, I feel pretty. Oh, okay. Uh, and the reason why the reason why is because you know I went into this blind. I have like literally, literally next to no knowledge with West Side Story, but. I have seen its influence outside of, you know, the source material. So when I started see, uh, hearing I Feel Pretty, the first thing I remembered was, oh my God, that's the song sung by Jack Nicholson at Adam Sandler in Anger Management. <laughs> and immediately, Nino can attest to it too, I was singing the lyrics <laughs> right next to him, like, oh my God, I know this. And I was, I was jamming with it. Mind you, at this point in the movie, I was... I was kind of tired a little bit. It was late in the night, but this this song woke me up and I, I, I was into it. So I feel pretty is my number two. <laughs> America's at the top. It it has all the, the choreography and the, the bombastic nature to make it number one. But number two for me is definitely I feel pretty. I enjoy that one. Very nice. I, 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 I Oh, go uh, ahead. Yes, Dr. Rika, yes. No, I was going to say, I, I really... Folks have already talked about America, so I won't, you know, labor on it. Um, I also, I forget, I feel pretty has sometimes been shifted, if I'm not mistaken, depending on the show. So I will say as soon as it, because it happens right after the deaths. So I'm sitting here like, oh, it's been a while since I've watched this, so I forgot. And then we go immediately into I feel pretty. And so there was a sense of like, I don't know, I have this tension and I feel it was done purposefully where like, oh shit, like this just happened. And then we go immediately into I Feel Pretty, which is very light. Um, and so I, I actually really enjoyed that decision. Uh, so I was gonna shout that out. But I think I've already mentioned kind of the duet between Anita and Maria near the end that I really liked. Um, oh, that, that duet's really good. That duet's really good. Mm -hmm. And I will say I definitely cried during Somewhere. Uh, with you know Rita on her own, just having her moment because uh, she doesn't traditionally sing that. So yeah, just plenty of tears because you know she. I think she just turned ninety this like past week. I had just oh watched gosh. her, her wow. yeah her Netflix documentary, which go watch it. It's it's really good. It gives some insight on like how difficult her life was in, in terms of like just growing up in Hollywood and how like terribly she was treated and kind of the ways in which she has succeeded despite. Um, and so I, I do recommend you know, her documentary because it talks about her experience on in this film as well as just, you know, being in the spotlight. But um, so I definitely did just cry. I was very impacted by her own, just giving her her moment um, as the legend um, in the films. Yeah, I think her bringing her back in this film, it never felt jarring. Like, if you knew who she was, you know, it was like, oh, it was really cool to see. But her character served a purpose, and it was not, and she never overstayed her welcome. She was always welcome. Like, we wanted more of her and her voice of reason. I think that was an excellent choice to bring her back and have her serve that role. Uh, Doris, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, like we, I know you felt impactful from In the Heights and now this. What do you want to see from musicals moving forward, especially when it comes to like maybe remakes where they have a chance to, you know, highlight some other cultural aspects of musicals that we haven't seen? Is this something you want to see moving forward? And do you think they're doing a good job right now? Yeah. And um, I think and some like my favorite musical numbers that they did, um, even though the singing was absolutely phenomenal, the choreography in this was spectacular you know yeah my favorite numbers were the ones that were over in the gym when they were doing the mambo mambo yes you know, like, just dancing and doing like it, it kind of brings back that whole um idea of like if you're going to fight 
right? Fight with your eyes. You know, like try to be like more civilized with how you're going to be fighting people. Don't, you know, use your fist. They they took it to another level where it was like they were fighting with their dance. You know, and they were getting really close. Like I, I don't remember them getting like that close where they were throwing the girls to kick the legs. Like it, it was it was awesome to see. Um, my other favorite dance number was when they were fighting over the gun. Like I was very like, this thing is gonna go off any second now. Like, or hopefully he's gonna drop it in one of those holes, and you know, maybe Tony will fall through one of those holes. I don't know. Um, but it was it was really cool to see the choreography and all this. And I think moving forward, that's what I really want to see. Um, I want to see people stay true to the choreography. Like they could have changed it up. They could have made, you know, the men's dance like less of a ballerina, like less of a ballet format and, you know, put a little bit more of a masculine tone to it or whatnot. But I thought that it was amazing seeing um, these masculine guys bring this ballet type dancing on screen. And it was just so cool to see the choreography of it all. Um, and I would like to see like more of that in, in the portrayal of things coming up in the future. You know, I want to see people stick to their their choreography. I want to see people stick to some of the original elements um, and kind of do what Steven Spielberg did. Bring it to modern age. Make tweaks where you think that you need to make tweaks. Don't tweak the whole thing. Um, but keep a, a sense of the original, you know. Um I have to also give a huge shout out to the cinematography of this, the way that they got the angles, mm -hmm. the way that they brought, um, a, it wasn't a really bright, you know, like it, everything was kind of muted. I really like that aspect of it. It kind of gives you that whole, when you think of the 1950s, you never think of anything in color because they didn't really have color media back then. So everything is a little bit more on the, the bleaker side. Um, so I really, I really appreciated the muted tones and all this cinematography. So um, great directing, great cinematography, great choreography. That's what I want to see in the future. Well said, well said. Um, quick go around, final scores. Uh, I'll go first. I think it is, y'all might hate me. I gave it 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I, I did not like Ansel Elgort, 8.5 out of 10. Other than that, fantastic ride. Enjoyed every bit of it. 9.5 out of 10. I agree. All right. I, I would give it an 8, a solid 8 out of 10. Uh, I, I still enjoyed it. Still among the high ends of the musicals I've seen so far. So I think an 8's a good score for it. The, the main cast, I was kind of indifferent to. The supporting cast is where I was with for most of the movie. I think a 9 out of 10 for me. Um, I really love the visuals of it and the cinematography, the dancing, like I've said a thousand times. I give it a nine. Yeah, I used out of five stars because I'm on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, so, like, four out of five. Um, similar to what's kind of been alluded to, you know, Ansel being present in the first place. Um, but I also think the supporting cast is really fantastic and the, the direction I, I think it goes to show when people like truly care about making a good musical it makes a difference um I think what we've seen over the last few years or, or really what's been kind of difficult in making movie musicals in the modern age is like maybe there's not as much love kind of injected into that those creations so we think of like the golden age of like the, the 50s 60s is like there's this intentionality and in people behind the camera as well as in front of the camera that really really care uh, and want to put that into kind of what they're creating. And I think we got a sense of that. So one of my favorites of the year. Um, I think I'll give it the uh, same as a uh, uh, Grandmaster Who, 3.5 out of 10. This had the unfortunate, uh, the unfortunate circumstance of coming after Tick, Tick, Boom released. So it, that does heavily uh, affect my score. Uh, and I think, and it's a, to, to Dr. Rika's point really quick. I think I think people are finally learning how to make movie musicals again because um, with, you know, they were trying to just make them for money. Cats, Hello Dolly, what's the difference? Oh, one of them can sing and the other one can't. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really just a sign of the times. And maybe when people start being more sincere behind that camera and in front of that camera, we'll have 
you know, home run. We have two home runs musicals out of this year. And I'm just like, wow, that's that's great. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. And we're just going to ignore uh, Dear Evan Hans forever. Still haven't seen Dear Evan Hans, but eh, I don't think it'll be on my list after what y'all said. But uh, listen, folks, we're wrapping up here at the Yonko table. You heard it here. I'm sorry, I'm being bothered. Um, go watch West Side Story. There's a lot you could take from it. A lot of good. Not that much bad. Go watch West Side. It and, is where what we need to do. And watch oh. Niños Desplazados Maria on YouTube. Yes, we will. We will. We will uh, provide we will a link in we the description a- for the pod. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on behalf of Nino, who is nodding his head in agreement to do if so. If you are not so. satisfied with Ansel Elgort and you won't be, this is your quintessential Maria. So we got that for you. But listen, we're going to close out the night. I'm your host, Grandmaster Hoop, my fellow Yonko, Dr. Jace Attorney, Supernovas. Oh my gosh. Dr. Mondo, Dr. Rica, Nino Desplazado, and Darce. Oh, one last thing. Uh, Chino, he's just a Puerto Rican Josh Gann. Listen, we're the Yonko table. Y'all have a great night. Peace out. You're going to end on that note?